So hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Beyond the Cover. I am your host, John Robb. Unfortunately, my good-looking co-host, Jeff Ayers, will not be joining us today, uh, but that's okay. We're still going to have a lot of fun speaking with our author, uh, Brian Gurley, and he's going to be talking about his latest book, Purgatory Bay, which is coming out in January 2020, so you're not going to want to miss that one. I want to remind all of you that all of our shows here are brought to you by Suspense Magazine, so of course make sure you visit suspensemagazine.com for more information, and also Kensington Books, so visit kensingtonbooks.com for more information on what they have going on. Uh, Our best of issue is out. You guys should have a lot of fun reading that one. Hopefully uh, you're able to pick up all the books on the list if you haven't already read it, and congratulations to L.A. Chandler and her book, The Pearl Dagger, which won the Crimson Scribe Award this year, which is uh, we only give out to one book every year, and she's the one who ended up winning it for her story, um, the best book of the year of 2019. She takes the torch away from Robert Dugoni, who had one last year in The uh, Extraordinary Life of Sam Hell. So, again, want to thank you all for voting. We had the most votes we've ever had ever in the history of the magazine for this, so it was a really great time. Um, so, again, I want to thank you all. But let's get into our guest now. Again, the book is called Purgatory Bay. The book will be out January 2020 in whatever format you want to buy it in. And uh, we're speaking here with none other than author Brian Gurley. So, Brian, thanks so much for coming on. How are you doing? Happy to be here, John. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, we kind of talked a little off air, and... Uh, I always said, uh, like I said, you know, truthfully, one of my top 50 books probably of all time is uh, Starvation Lake that you wrote. I know that we talked to you about that. So I was really excited when I got a copy of Purgatory Bay, and I haven't had a chance to dive into it. I had a book in front of it, and so I'm going to read on that one. But, um, you're, I mean, I, I, just from seeing the premise uh, of the book, I know that I'm going to uh, just dive into it. So why don't you give everybody a little bit about what you got going on here? Uh, so Purgatory Bay is about a young woman uh, named Jubilee Rathman. Uh She's in her late 20s, but when she was uh, a teenager, 12 years before the book begins, she had a, she had life licked, John. She was a straight-A student, uh, all-state soccer goalie in Michigan, headed for Princeton to play soccer there, and uh, her... her uh, most of her family was killed, well, murdered, in a, a mob hit in their northern Michigan cottage. Jubilee was downstate, and so she wasn't there, and this messes her up pretty good. Yeah. And so 12 years later, she's living basically as a recluse in this fortress on a bay called Purgatory, not far from the town of Bleak Harbor on uh, Michigan's southwest coast. Mm-hmm. Um, Bleak Harbor was the was the town the last book was set in, and it's near there. And Jubilee has been plotting revenge on people that she considers responsible for ruining her life, and it's a it's a peculiar kind of revenge. I won't say too much about it, but. It, it isn't exactly what you might think, although it's, um, it's also not very pleasant. Um, she is sort of a hollowed-out woman, especially for someone so young. You know, and the one thing that struck me just from kind of reading uh, the description and then getting, of course, you know, more of a synopsis from publicists was I was very excited because I'm like, you know, 
I'm kind of I, I'm already torn whether or not I'm going to root for her or not. Um, I don't think you really root for her. I'm well, sure I, you know, people. but you, you know, to the point where I kind of under you, you can definitely get the sense to understand Jubilee's pain and to understand why somebody would do what what they're going to do. Um, I, I think to to a degree. I mean, Jubilee is is out there, and she's going to try to convince you that what she's doing is actually some way rational, particularly the approach she takes. Right, uh, which is kind of cool. The, the, well, <laughs> I'll, when you read it, I'll let you be the judge of that, John. Yeah, it's um, kind of cool, man. The, the, people, premise is, the premise is, is fucking fantastic, i got to tell you. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, thank you. I hope it is. You know, Jubilee yeah. is... Uh, it, I, I think I'm walking uh, a bit of a tightrope with her. But, um, you know, the people you'll root for are her victims, who are some uh, really great characters, uh, two really strong women, and Jubilee is arguably a very strong woman, mm-hmm. despite her, her motivation. Um, well, you know, a star athlete. You know she's in shape. Yeah, she's damn, she's, she's in great right. shape. Um, and hey, going so, to an Ivy League you know, school, so you know she ain't stupid. So now you have a no, very smart, athletic, in shape person. Yeah, this is a great, dangerous is, combination. I love that in a villain. She is a diabolical person. And, uh, you know, and, and she has a sort of partner um, uh, named Caleb, who is um, his own sort of. Uh, a very peculiar character, very strong, uh, trained as as, a, as an assassin, um, and uh, she she controls Caleb through a variety of means. He's, he's a scary dude, but somewhere inside Caleb uh, might beat the heart of a real human being who might not want to be doing what she wants him to do. Anyway, um, the people you're going to root for are... Uh, uh, the uh, former journalist Michaela Mikey Deming, uh, who was involved indirectly in uh, reporting on the family, the, the mafia family who killed Jubilee's family, and um, the uh, that is one of her targets. One of Jubilee's main targets in the book is to make Mikey suffer. And standing between Mikey and Jubilee is Katya Malone, who is uh, the police chief of Bleak Harbor, mm-hmm. and a woman with her own um, pain and her own past. Her her uh, daughter was killed years ago, uh, partly due to Katya's own jealousy and anger with her husband. And so you have these three very strong women who don't really know each other, and they're just thrown together. And uh, they are in a fight for their lives to some degree and also for their souls to some degree. Mm-hmm. Is, that, now, is that highfalutin enough for you? Yeah. Now, well, the, 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 the good thing, too, is, is, is what your books give me in a great getaway is there's so many books that are set in big cities, you know, jumping around to different countries and places like that. But... And, and I love the tagline that you have on your website because it's true. In small towns, you think you know people, you don't. And you like small town settings, and you like to have those because that's where the secrets really live. 
And I think that's where the underbelly and a lot of things, you know, can really be explored by an author and live there. So talk a little bit about why you, you know, why you like the small town setting compared to, you know, the New Yorks and the Londons and the places like that. Uh, sure. Well, uh, although, you know, I grew up in uh, a suburb of Detroit and went to school in the city of Detroit, I, I spent a lot of time up uh, at my parents' cottage, yeah, sort of remote northern lower Michigan. So, that was, so, it, little, so it wasn't in the UP? It wasn't in the UP, no. Um, okay, because I'm there, from Ohio, right? so I'm from Ohio, so I'm very familiar with that area. So when you talk about it, I can, you know, it's all in my head because yeah, I, I live there. It's probably, you know, where I hung out when I was Is it by, like, Gaylord or no? Or? Yeah, not, yeah no, it's, it's Gaylord. They don't say okay. Gaylord in Michigan. It's Gaylord. Okay, because um, I played golf there once, and there's a beautiful golf courses up there. There's some amazing golf courses. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. I, spent, I spent quite a bit of time up there. I interned at a little paper up there, mm. which became the model for the little paper uh, that the character in the Starvation Lake books yeah. works uh-huh. out. And then, but, al- but also... Uh, during my career as a journalist, 40 years now, um, I have done a lot of stories in little towns around the United States, Hill City, Kansas, Stillwell, Oklahoma, uh, Regent, North Dakota, and I was always struck by how I'd go there thinking, well, I'm going there to write this story that has these large implications, but it always ended up being about these little petty disagreements and vendettas that people had against each other in these towns. And and, and, and I'll, I'll confess to something else. You know, when I was thinking about where I would set uh, my first book, I actually debated putting it in a part of Detroit, and I had settled on a small town in northern lower Michigan because I thought it would be easier. And I, I was mistaken. <laughs> the exact it's, opposite, it's no isn't easier. it? Well, it's no easier or more difficult. It's just their challenges are different because what I, what I discovered was wherever my character, Gus Carpenter, wherever he went, people knew him. So if he was wandering around Chicago or Detroit or New York or L.A., you know, he could be anonymous. He could right. go places Shadow where nobody it. knows yeah. him. So I don't have to worry about those other people. But but in Starvation Lake, you know, he'd go to Audrey's Diner and he walks in and now he can't. Five people know who he is. Yeah. Yeah, so now you've got to bring those people into the scene, some of them, mm-hmm. and that got tricky, for me at least. And so, yeah. anyway. And they might never um, show up again, but you still have to show the connection because that's a small town and that's what it is. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and, but, but you can't just, it, 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 can't, it, it, it can't be superficial. There has to be a reason that Elvis Bontrager is yanking Gus's chain at Audrey's Diner. And there was a reason. Right. And, it, and, and in the end, I didn't know it when I first started with that character, but by the end, it actually figured into the, the plot. So, uh-huh. um, uh, and then you know, each time you go back, you have to sort of recreate it. And, and, and Bleak Harbor is uh, the little town near Purgatory Bay, which figures in in both the Bleak Harbor book and in Purgatory Bay is is also a small town, although it's different in that it is uh, kind of a, a rich. Uh, resort town for uh, summer people from Chicago and Detroit and Indianapolis mm. who go there uh, and, you know, with their fancy cars and go to the fancy bars or fancy restaurants. But then there are also the local residents 
the it's like the mid, it's like mid it's like the Midwest Vale without the mountains. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Although there is the lake, you know, the big lake, right. uh, Michigan. So, um, and but again, you know, it is, uh, and, and and in Purgatory Bay, there are some local characters, who, yeah. uh, including uh, the mayor of Bleak Harbor, his name is Harlan Fisher Jr., and he's got uh, a quite a remarkable past. Um, his family has a remarkable past. Um, as a sort of uh, people who have been surveilling other people in Bleak Harbor for decades and using what they find to advance their own purposes politically, financially, and otherwise. And, and mm-hmm. this character figures uh, in, in uh, Jubilee's uh, Vendetta. Nice. And yeah, I so, hope so. <laughs> so, so, how, so how was it kind of writing a character that you kind of had to start out being, you know, very good, straight-laced straight student into a psychopath. How was that transition? How was that, how was that for you? Uh, you know, I just kind of dove into it. I, I had to think hard about, well, how is she, her, her, her plans are um, complex, and she has to have a lot of covers, um, which she uses with, uh, she's, she's pretty ingenious about covering her tracks and, and portraying herself as somebody she really isn't and using this to her advantage. And, and that's kind of where I got into uh, a jubilee and her, the way she thinks about the world, which is that there's, there's not much worth, worth anything here and people don't care, didn't care about her and her family, and so she's going to show them um, how how wrong they are. Mm-hmm. And what got you excited to want to really sit down and start writing the book? Was it was it exploring the character of Jubilee? Was it figuring out the, the you know the plot? What you know what was that driving force that got you to sit down? It's all, it, it's always the characters, mm. you know. So there was Jubilee. And I really was she the first character and that you created for the story? No, or did you really, kind of make really, three of them together. Okay, no, really, the first character whom I have yet to mention. I was just telling my wife this the other day. I, I had huh. forgotten this, where this book really started. I woke up in the middle of the night, and the song, the band song, Ophelia, was running through my head. Okay, it goes bars on the window, mail at the door. Why would anybody leave so quickly for Ophelia? Where have you gone? And so I, I started with this character, Ophelia, who's a young woman. She's blind. She is Mikey's sister, as it turned out. And she disappears at the beginning of the book. And she is part of Jubilee's vendetta. And so I kind of started with one of the victims first, and then uh, went to Jubilee, and and where Jubilee comes from, yeah, I, I guess um, I, I I certainly hope so, John. Um, yeah. And and Jubilee, I, I, this is not something I'm terribly proud of, but you know, <laughs> looking looking at the world we we've lived in at least, especially for the last ten to fifteen years. There's a lot of people in our country, and certainly in other countries, but I, I just, I'm thinking about the United States of America now, sure. who uh, can 
commit um, moral and ethical crimes with impunity, they never pay the price. And no matter how horrible their crimes are, whether it's sending um, thousands of kids to die in Iraq for no reason at all or, or uh, failing uh, the financial system and, and getting bailed out and with impunity, not, no, no accountability whatsoever, that you think about, well, how could these people be held accountable? Um, and what would, what would make them actually have to face their crimes and suffer like the people they made suffer? And that's what at the heart of Jubilee's philosophy, if that's the word for it, is the answer to those questions. Wow. That's pretty damn deep. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty, no, man, pretty that's, basic. That's pretty, pretty deep. Basic. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's pretty deep. But that's, uh, you know, it does, I mean, now does your mind kind of work like that all the time, or is this like the first time that a song kind of inspired you? Uh, this is the first book that's been inspired by a song. But, you know, I love music, so. And, yeah. and you know, it was, it's just weird. Um, another book I wrote, The Hanging Tree, uh, there was this, there's this tree in northern Michigan that's got all these shoes in it. You know, like hundreds and hundreds of pairs of shoes. And I've seen this tree a thousand times, and I'm like, i got to write about that. And one night, you know, same thing, middle of the night, I wake up, and this line pops into Dude, my you head. you got to get a better bed or something. Yeah, no, it's a great bed. There's two books here. They, That's true. It gives you great pops. books. Got to give you that. Yeah. They, they, See, they, okay, they, hold they, on. For all the authors out there, get a shitty bed, and you get better books. <laughs> it's actually an excellent bed. But, uh, no, this line popped into my head. Just They found her hanging in the shoe tree outside Starvation Lake. Uh-huh. And I laid there, and I go, okay, I'm not going to go back to sleep yet. This is, a good, this is a good start. What's her name? Who is she? How is she related to Gus Carpenter? How are they all tied together? And once oh I answered God. those few questions, I was like, okay, I'll start tomorrow morning. And I did. <laughs> That's the hanging tree, the second of the Starvation Lake books. Now, what kind of music do you listen to? Oh, it depends what I'm doing, but everything, you know. When I'm writing, I listen to, this morning I was listening to some French jazz combo. I frequently listen to, when I'm writing, uh, Yeah. I don't like words when I'm writing, so a lot, I, li- I really like solo piano, whether it's jazz or classical, both. Oh, both okay. And I like sm- small ensembles, but, you okay. know, I love rock and roll. I, I you know, that's, God, I grew up in the. I'm a rock the guy. Era, the late 60s and early 70s rock and roll. So, and so yeah, I mean, I'm a rock guy, guy, but I'm more 70s, 80s. That's my sweet yeah. spot. And I go, yeah. you know, and I go anywhere from, uh, you know, pretty hardcore, like Anthrax, Metallica stuff, and, you know, yeah. all the way down to Chicago. Uh, one of my favorite bands is Chicago. I love Chicago. But, wow, you know, Megadeth, Metallica, and... You know, yeah, I, I was all two. that. It was the first album I ever bought. Who, which Chicago one? Two. Chicago 2. Oh, Make Chicago 2, yeah. Beginnings, 25 or 6 to 4, all those great Oh, movies. I mean, yeah, I and the thing album. about Chicago is is a lot of people don't realize is, and he doesn't do it anymore, and I really, and I was talking to Shannon about this, I'm like, why doesn't Peter Cetera play bass anymore? He's such a great bass player. Yeah. And 
you know, and he was he was the bass player for Chicago because they all kind of sang, and Andy Katz was the guitar player who a lot of people will reference him as an influence because he was Gary so Katz. incredible, and he died at such an early age. Yeah, in a Gary dying. Katz. Where yeah. was it? The guy. Terry Kath, K-A-T. Terry, yeah, that's right. He, and he played that amazing why, solo in 25 or 6 to 4. Yeah, and the guy was... 25 or 6 to 4 solo. When you listen Seven, to those first sorry. five Chicago albums, it's like, you don't hear you're the inspiration in there, people. That's not what that band was about at all. Yeah, right. I know. Yeah, they, that hell of a band. Bobby Lamb yep. songs. And, yeah, so, that, so that's kind of what I, you know, I, I, liked, I like all that shit. I'm like, I love all yeah. that music. Yeah, the precursor to Chicago, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. You know, it's a really great band too. Yeah, the yeah. horns so, and the jazz. And, but but yeah, I grew up. You know, we both grew up in a great era of music and. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was. So, I mean, you know, today. You know, today I just I just can't get into it. I'm sorry. There's just so much fake. I just can't get into it. So. Well, I got kids, you know, in their 30s, and they turn me on to music, and they're they're good at it. There's a lot of good stuff out there, and when I put when I work out, I'll just put my uh, iTunes on some random, you know, here here's a playlist, and I don't know any of the stuff on there, and uh, I find stuff I really like. So. Yeah. Now I will say this, you know, I do like for some reason because my I don't know if it was my sister, but I do like that disco beat. I was I really liked that disco era. I was like nine, ten years old when the disco era was going on because I was. I grew up, uh, I was born in 1970, and I love that disco era, so I love those beats. And I don't know if you listen to ESPN Radio at all, but there's a, um, there's a show that comes on at 6 o'clock, 3 o'clock my time, 6 o'clock Eastern time, and it's Spain and Company. And at the very beginning of their show, they have this song. And I'm like, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I go, this is a really catchy song, but I know it's hip-hop, and I'm like, I just wonder if whatever. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Um, probably not, unless I heard it. So it ends up being this artist I've never heard of, and it ends up being this artist called Lizzo, which I guess is like extremely... Oh, yeah, Lizzo's great, yeah. I guess she's extremely popular, and the name of the song, the name of the song is called Juice. And I'm like, that's a really catchy song. I don't know the name. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like... My daughter loves Lizzo. Yeah, I'm like, it's, I, go, I go, that's a really catchy song. Now, I hate everything else she did, but that was a catchy song. Well, there you go. See? Yeah. Then you're happy. You know, so I will do stuff like that. You don't that, have to know most, what it is. You just know what you like, right? Yeah, it's just weird. And it's just like, you know, with books and, you know, the movies coming out. Are you a Star Wars guy? Are you going to see Star Wars this weekend? Oh, yeah. Love Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I'll see it this weekend, but I'll definitely go see it. Yeah, I think I'm going to try uh, to go see it. Um, like early Sunday morning, maybe like seven o'clock. I think they have like a seven seven thirty showing, so I can early Sunday morning. But um, see if my son-in-law wants to go, and me if my see if my daughter wants to go. I think she's off on Sunday, so that would be good. But huh. yeah, you know, got to cool. finish out the trilogy. I mean, I'm a huge Star Wars guy, man. I'm a Star Wars yeah. geek, and and I love you know I love the darkest Star Wars. My favorite Star Wars is The Empire Strikes Back. Because oh yeah, that's my favorite. But you want to know something? And Jeff and I just talked about this too, because he always, cause, and, I, and I always say it, and people rag me every single time. But what's the what's your least favorite Star Wars movie? It's got to be one of those because they, they're indistinct to me, John. It's the the it's first the three, three. Yeah, the, the, the prequels. prequels. Okay. Yes. 
So one, two, and three with with the, the Emperor Palpatine, and they were just boring. There was all this okay. politics and stuff. And I'm like, you want you want to mine? Blow up a car. I'll tell yeah, you, my, my, the, the worst Star Wars movie I think whatever it was, was Return of the yeah. Jedi. Really? Huh. Yep. I'm and I'm going to tell you why. Jedi. I'm going to tell okay. you why. Because there's a lot of scenes in that movie that, are, that make zero sense. And, this is, and the biggest one for me is always the Ewoks. People love the fucking Ewoks. But think about like this for Ewoks. a second. Think about this. So... Luke is in the ship. The Emperor and the Empire are killing the rebels. They have to get the Death Star shield down so they can kill the Death Star. So they're in this major right. battle, right? They're all up there fighting. Right. Han right. is on the planet Endor with Leia and C-3PO, and um, they're having to try to get the, the shields down. And they run into these Ewoks where the Empire is. Now, the Ewoks built the most elaborate ambush system known to man in about 15 minutes. And the Empire had no idea that they were cutting down trees or anything else, that they were doing all of this stuff right in front of their eyes. And I'm like, really, people? Like, think about that for a second. That is totally not even close to plausibly being well, they, correct. They were counting on the, re, uh, on the watchers underestimating the Ewoks. I mean, it's like... that onto the Empire. And then those freaking Ewoks get their own cartoon. You know, the other thing that's never explained is all of a sudden, and here's the thing that people don't catch, Luke and Empire Strikes Back, greatest movie. And I know we're getting off books, but we're just geeks. But Empire Strikes Back was the best, without a doubt. But at that yeah. time, Luke leaves Yoda and says, I'll be back. Right. Okay. Yeah. He shows up at the beginning of Return of the Jedi, and he's a Jedi already. Now, he never went back to Yoda and trained, because in Return of the Jedi, after, and then the other stupid thing is how... He goes back at the beginning of Return of the Jedi. That's right, he but, but he's yeah. already a Jedi at that time, so who trained him, yeah. and how did he become a Jedi, because he never went back to Yoda, and why did they kill Boba Fett that way? Well, however they kill Boba Fett is fine with me. The best bounty hunter ever, <laughs> and Han Solo is like, Boba Fett... Boba Fett, and he turns, and he just happens to hit him in the back with that thing he was holding, and Boba Fett's, you know, uh, jets go, oh, and then he falls into the yeah. hole. I'm like, come he on, goes really? Into the, the thing, the yeah, like that was the worst killing ever for Boba Fett. But yeah, you know, you know the, the but that really me. That, that brings us back to Purgatory Bay. This is perfect. Yeah. There's a scene in Purgatory Bay that involves <clears throat> that creature. You know that hole with the teeth in it? The star. No way. Yeah, it's it's it plays a it plays a big part in in a flashback in Purgatory Bay. Oh, you're gonna hilarious. love this book. It's got Star Wars in it. That's hilarious. Yes, it is. So now, what have you been reading? Like, have you read? What have you got to read this year? Uh, well, I have a day job, and I was writing this finishing this, and I'm yeah. working on something else. So, you know, I've read about five books this year. But oh. the one Are you more I, of a... I like the, the one I like the best uh, thus far is November Road by Lou Burney. It's just oh. a fantastic book. And cool. right now I'm reading Coyote Songs by Gabino Iglesias, which is really, it's intense and dark and poetic and uh, just crazy. 
really. It's just a great book. Um, wow, so I've not heard saying, of this. I, I read it. That's... You haven't heard of November Road? You've heard of that. <laughs> Excuse me. No, I've not heard of that one. Oh, it's awesome. It's about uh, it's about two people caught up in the aftermath of the Kennedy assassination. Uh, oh, wait a second. Mom, I did hear about that. I didn't know that was the yeah, name of it, though. Yeah, it's really good. I think I remember seeing an article about it in, like, New Yorker or something. I think I saw yeah, yeah. something about yeah, it, it maybe. A lot of, got a lot of attention. I think it came up around November when they were talking about the assassination. I think I saw Probably then. Yeah, sort of probably that, that would be it. That's a good – that's a newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you more of, like, TV guy? I, I don't watch much TV. Usually you don't know me neither. I, I, watch, I don't either. It, we'll, we'll pick up one series and slowly watch the whole thing. And the last one we loved was Mad Men. Oh, okay. Um, and then we've, we've watched some of the shorter ones. A- actually, I had to step away. We were watching uh, this week's installment of Shameless when uh, I had to call you. So I missed the end of that. But, Uh-oh. Shameless is, it, isn't what it, it isn't what it used to be. It wasn't. It was oh, nice. Not as much fun as it used to be. Yeah. Did uh, you um, – I've been watching Mandalorian. I like that one. Oh, yeah? How is it? Yeah. I don't it's, have HBO. It's, so. it's very good. If you're a Star Wars guy, what this is set after Return of the Jedi, I think five years after Return of the Jedi, and before the New Order take over. So it's before Force Awakens. So it's like in that kind of chaotic, chaotic, peaceful period, I guess you want to say. Yeah. 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 Well, it is. I, it's very good. HBO. There's now there's zero mention of Luke, Leia, any of that. There's none of that. I mean, you know, really? uh, you okay. you do see Tatooine uh, once, you know, stuff like oh, that. Yeah. But he's a bounty yeah. hunter. Um, yeah. And so basically, you're just following his story and of what the and of what the Mandalorian are because they're a they're a guild. So they're a guild onto their own, and they're like the greatest wow. warriors and. So, yeah, so you get to see what his life is because it's, it's very, I guess you want to say, spiritual. You know, he does never, he never, once you put the helmet on, it never comes off in front of anybody. Wow. So. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and so that's what you're seeing. And so you're seeing, you know, the life of a bounty hunter and what a bounty hunter's life is doing, you know, going out and getting this. And so it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like, um, freak of the week, if you want to say, you know, like there's like a there's like a main story each week. Yeah. But then there's yeah. a, the, but then there's with the and you've heard of the baby Yoda, and then there's like a baby Yoda connection that kind of runs throughout with him. They just kind of run huh. together. Yeah. So well, I, I have I have to get HBO again because Curb Your Enthusiasm is coming back. So then I oh you like the comedy, work. yeah. <clears throat> I love Curbage. Yeah, I met Larry David once. Really. I did, I and he is just pretty much like he is on the shows. <laughs> he's kind of an awkward he's like an awkward kind of guy that knows he's famous but doesn't really like people to tell him he's famous yeah you know so he's kind of like that and I and I just happened to meet him because I was at an apartment building with a guy that I knew and he lived in that building and I met David Foster speaking of Chicago connections um, he lived in that building too and so we were happened to have breakfast up in like one of his floors and Larry David came in and was getting breakfast too. And he goes, Oh, he goes. And so he introduced me to him. And so it was like about a five minute kind of talking to, and you know, he's, yeah. he's just kind of that. He's, he's kind of that same kind of guy. 
You know, he was no very shot. nice. He was very cordial. But you could just tell that he was just kind of like, you know, yeah, Awkward. I get you. Blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But, I ne- but see, I'm never one of those people that is like, oh, can I have a picture? No. No, no, no. I don't want your autograph. Yeah. I don't want your picture. I just yeah, like I the story. Have. I like the yeah, story yeah. better than anything. Yeah. You know. Which is why I like books. Speaking of stories. See, I what like the reading? story. What are you reading right now? What's the book you're reading that's ahead of Purgatory Bay? Uh, so it was The Night Fire by Michael Conley. Oh, yeah? Yeah? Yeah. That's a good guy. Yeah. He's a very uh, good and guy. I see he blurbs your book. <laughs> Impossible to put down. So that's the one that I just picked up, and I'm about a third of the way through, and then I will get Purgatory Bay, which, like I said, is Please. sitting right in so front of me right now. Mike. I have to follow Michael Connolly. You do. Unfortunately, his, he came first. <laughs> and tough. then after you, That's I have a couple. Um, and then after you, I have a couple cozy mysteries that I'm going to read to kind of, you know, cleanse myself of some darkness. <laughs> there you go. Well, <laughs> I like to throw those. That. I like to throw those murder she wrote books and you know to kind of cleanse myself and be I like, had, oof. I had a text, a text back and forth with Connolly when he was reading Purgatory Bay and. He, he texted me and he said, "Hey, I'm about halfway through." And I said, "How is it good?" And he said, "Yep." And I said, "Well, wait till wait till the flying werewolves show up." And he wrote, "No spoilers, please." <laughs> so he's a fun guy. I like him. Yeah. How did you guys connect? Uh, I got to know him. Uh, this would be like seven or eight years ago. He did this thing in Traverse City. It's called the National... Traverse City, Michigan. So it's up northern... Florida. Yeah, that's way up there. Nice town. Yep. Yeah. It's a great town. And they have a thing called the National Writer Series where they bring in writers uh, and have, you know, five or six hundred people show up and they sell their books and then they get interviewed by another writer and I went to interview Mike. Nice. Um, so, and, yeah, it was great fun and we got to know each other. And and so we've crossed paths a few times uh, since then. And uh, oh, great! Uh, he's he's a very nice man. Yeah. Now, with all the streaming services out there too uh, that that have been going on, you know, Netflix and Amazon Prime and all that. And did you notice that in the beginning of January that Jeffrey Deaver is going to have a series on NBC, The Hunt for the Bone Collector? So it looks like they're taking the Bone Collector book and spreading it out over a TV series. Did you see that? Yeah. I didn't see it, but it doesn't surprise me. It sounds yeah, like so that makes sense. Yeah, so that should be good. But, and you're seeing, I think, a lot more authors now getting, has anyone contacted you about anything yet? Do you have anything, has anything been talked about, maybe getting one of your books, uh, you know, to one of those streamings or TV, movie, anything like that? Not yet. Not yet. I, I, I think this is going to sound stupid. Starvation maybe. Lake had to have some nibbles, though, right? I mean, come on. Well, uh, Hanging Tree, uh, uh, a director optioned it twice, wrote a screenplay, just didn't go anywhere. But this was seven or eight years ago. If if Starvation Lake, if that trilogy had started in 2015, say, instead of 2009, I think it might actually strike people as this is something you could do as a TV series. But um, it didn't. And uh, no, nobody's pounding down my door, but I'm I'm here. My door is open. I'm ready to listen. <laughs> really? Because I think that you know, 
stories like this are always so great. Again, you know, I think that the small town is always better than the big city in a lot of cases because of the secrets and because of all that stuff that you can do. So, yeah, I love them. I love them, and I love the characters. Uh, yeah, well, thank you. Yeah. So where's the best place for everyone to find out about more of your stuff? Is it uh, your website, just com? Sure, my website, uh, you know, I have an author page on Amazon. Uh, but, yeah, my website is a great place. All my books are there and synopses of books. And praise for the books. And I try to keep the really critical one-star reviews off there, although <laughs> they're going to happen. Um, I have some cool T-shirts uh, made from quotes from really bad reviews. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's a good place to go, just BrianGrooley.com. Uh, so it's B-R-Y. So B-R-Y-A-N-G-R-U-L-E-Y.com. So that's right, BrianGrooley.com. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I'm on your website looking at you right now. Sweet, sweet. Yeah, yeah. So now how many events do you think you're going to be doing? You're going to be out next year doing some stuff? No, nah, just a, just a just a handful, you know. I'll do You're gonna be a thriller sure fest. Uh, I don't know yet. It depends. Okay. Um, I, I I'm not sure we'll still be living in Chicago then, and it depends where we oh. are. And yeah, it's time to it's time to give up on Chicago winters. You know, they keep uh, getting I don't blame you. Yeah, I don't blame you. How's so. how's it been for you this year so far? Been pretty bad. It, not, it, it started bad, and it, it hasn't been too bad lately. It's been cold. We don't really have any snow. Oh, that's I don't get good. that much snow here. But yeah. it's gray, you know. It's, it's, that, it's late March, and it's still 31 degrees and gray, and then it's late April, and it's 32 degrees and gray, and then it's May, and it's 41 degrees and gray. And you're like, <laughs> okay, I've fucking had enough of this shit. <laughs> Let's get on with it. You know, you get the three, week, yeah. three, three days of spring. I mean, that is, you know, living in L.A., that is a blessing that I have. I mean, for us right now, yes. you know, we were like at 61 degrees, and now it was really windy. We had like some Santa Anas, now they're done now, and it, and it made it feel colder. But, I mean, 61 degrees for us, dude, we are freezing. Yeah, beautiful. And That's it was sunny weather. today, and it's going to rain. It's supposed to rain coming up Sunday. It's going to rain starting Sunday and on all the way to Christmas Day, and we're just like, wow. God, man, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, for us, if it's 55 is about the lowest you're going to get as far as a yeah. high during the day. And, yeah, you know, and if, we it, get, if it was 55 here tomorrow, John, uh, the kids would all be out in their shorts. Yeah, all yeah. and then our lows, shorts weather. our lows are mainly in the high 40s, but sometimes you get like a 39. But I haven't, I've lived here 11 years, 12 years now, and we've never had, I've never, I've seen frost maybe once, and that's it. Wow. Well, yeah, it's 29 so, here now. Tomorrow it's going to be, let's see, 8 a.m. tomorrow, 14 degrees. So we're going to have a little yeah. cold snap tomorrow. The high looks like at about 21. So, that, you know, the scientific term for that is fucking cold. Yeah, when uh, I wake up in the morning, it'll be 48. Yeah, that's good. Good for you. <laughs> that makes me happy. You know, well... I mean, I, I'm sorry, but what, you're going to just move south? Uh, yeah, I don't know where we'll go. We'll see. That's good. 
That's good, though. You know what? I don't blame you. We're not you. going north. I'll guarantee we're not going north. Got to guarantee. Well, you know, we did Minneapolis winners for, we did four Minneapolis winners, and we were like, we're done with that shit. Yeah, yeah. I can see yeah. that. Those are brutal. Yeah. And you get a lot of well, snow there, too. Oh, yeah. One uh, December, we had 39 inches just in December. Oh, Never shit. forget that. It was the third most they'd ever have in the December in the history of the state. Yeah, shoveling snow sucks. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, hopefully make it to Thriller Fest and we can see and say, hi, um, we're going to have great. a book. We're going to have a book that we'll be uh, having out, so maybe you can uh, get it, get you an advanced copy and you can read it. We're putting together um, a short story anthology. Wow, awesome. Yeah, short story that um, Jeffrey Deaver is actually editing. So. Oh, that's you're lucky to have him do that. Yeah, and we have... Um, so we have some really good authors, uh, Linwood Barclay, Reese Bowen, Heather Graham, um, you know, uh, let's see, John Lesquois. So they're all going to be writing short stories for this anthology. And um, it's called Nothing Good Happens After Midnight. Yeah, that's probably right. And, it's, <laughs> and, it's, and every short story will start at, you know, right after midnight and end before dawn. That's cool. And you know, so, when I retire, when I, yeah. when I put my day job behind me, I'm going to learn how to write short stories. I've you should, because we're going to do more anthologies, and I would love to have one of your uh, short, you know, small-town ideas to go in there. That would be great. One million dollars. One billion dollars. <laughs> See, there, so. if I was just writing a short story, I could actually go back to Starvation Lake and write a Gus Carpenter short story. Nice. All right. No, that'd be great. I'd love yeah. to do that. All right. Well, I'm hold all right, man. You have a good one. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Again, uh, the book is called Purgatory Bay, and it is going to come out on January 14th, 2020, so make sure you pick a copy up. Um, Brian, again, always a pleasure, and thanks again so much. Thanks, John. Thank all you right, for you have uh, a good one. great questions. Take care. And all have right, a good man. Holiday. All right. See you you too. Bye-bye. Bye.